and welcome to another episode of Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I'm here with Kristen LaBianca. Hello. And Wendy Hurd. Hello. So what have you bitches been up to since last time we <laughs> talked? <laughs> well, I would like to say that I was in my email earlier today looking for something, and I happened to notice... Um, that our very first conversation about this podcast happened exactly one year ago today. Oh my god, oh my that's god. so cool! Yes, <laughs> it's our bitch anniversary. It is. <laughs> it's very exciting. So, like we we talked about it in September, and we made it happen really quickly, which is awesome. I think so. Go us for making it happen, and this long later, we're still at it. So, woohoo! Wow. Nice. That's so awesome. cool. Yeah, I got a thing from Twitter the other day that was like, it's your year anniversary of setting up the, like, the Twitter oh, handle. So yeah. yeah. We're really doing it. That we New are. Yorker white man confidence has carried us through an entire year. Good job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you, Wendy? What have you been up to? I have a weird thing going on right now. Um, so you might know this. Everyone might not know this, but I live on the street that Tim Burton grew up on, and I live next door to the cemetery that inspired The Nightmare Before Christmas. So this is not on purpose. It just worked out that way accidentally, which obviously is very on brand. But there's been this weird thing going on in the cemetery where they have all these white, I can only describe them as like large caskets. Like they're bigger than a casket, but they're like a big white box. And they're stacked on top of each other. And there's probably like a hundred stacked in rows. And every day I look and there's a few less, but I don't know what they're doing with them or what they are. You could fit a casket inside them. Like they're sort of slightly larger than a casket. I At first I thought they were maybe like building out the mausoleum in there or something, but they're not. It's the same. And so every day some of these caskets are disappearing and I don't know what is happening. And I am delighted. (laughs) I mean, first of all, congratulations on being more goth than us living (laughs) on that street next to the cemetery and you've made your goth cred. But that is fascinating. I I don't know know what's going on. Yeah. What kind of material are these boxes like? I can't tell because the cemetery is not, it's only open it's not open that like much. Like, it's not open in the evenings and on the weekends. I've actually gone a couple times to try to figure it out, but it's closed like every other weekend. So I haven't been able to see, but it's like maybe stone. They look from afar, either stone or concrete, something like that. Okay. I think we need you to do some more reconnaissance on okay. this one. All right. Report yeah. back. I could <laughs> hop the fence if I need to. It is a chain link <laughs> fence that I could feasibly hop. It's only like 10 feet. Wow. I mean, I think you have to at this point. Okay. Like, yeah, you do. All yep. Right. Sorry, this is how it is. All right, I'll report. Can't wait back. to know more about yeah. the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, my update seems real boring now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just working on my second novel, which is going to come out next October. Um, and I finished the full draft like uh, last week, I guess. And I'm just putting some finishing touches on it before I send it to my editor later this month. Um, it is currently untitled, which we will not get into that right now, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole saga. Um, but it's about a female serial killer who hunts abusive men on the college campus where she works. And I am very excited about it. It's like very 
dark and mean and feminist and and there's a lot of nipples in the book so far so that's good (laughs) yeah like more than in temper i i would say there's definitely like more there's more death and more sex in this one and you know who doesn't like those things you're just getting better with each one there are very few things that are not improved by the addition of death and sex. I, I would mean, say. honestly, that's what else do we look for? <laughs> right. Perfect. Running from one of those and toward the other at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, our topic today is unfortunately not about death or sex. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I feel like this is false advertising. <laughs> So this uh, this episode, we wanted to talk about being unlikable in real life uh, in kind of an interesting way. So the three of us are all very busy ladies. I'll say that (laughs) we have, you know, day jobs and we're writing books and Wendy has a kid, which like we'll get into that in a minute because Kristen and I are still just completely in awe of (laughs) anyone who accomplishes anything while like taking care of another human. I can't even take care of myself. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all very obsessed with productivity tips and self-development books and all of these things. Um, And we wanted to talk about some of our favorites, uh, some tips that have helped us out, and also just kind of what it means to take time for yourself to pursue your creative passions and does it make you unlikable? Because sometimes I feel like it does, but yeah, we'll get into that. Well, one thing I found this I don't I'm worried about saying this and sounding douchey, but that's probably because I'm I'm a woman. But one thing I have found along the years that has saved my life has been minimalism. And I, again, I, it sounds cultish. Like people get so weird about this. I'm not one of those people who does the hundred things or you know only owns one fork because I have a man bun. It's not like that. It's it's not like a Marie Kondo thing. Although I did read and really enjoy her books and start folding my clothes the way she does. It's more of just like, I got into it because I was going through a divorce when my daughter was a baby, which was really hard, obviously, to go through a divorce with a baby. And I also had just moved across the country. So I had to get rid of like everything in order to move into a a small, actually had to put stuff in storage and move into my mom's for a while. And then I lived in a very small apartment. So it just kind of worked out that I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. And in that, it just sort of changed my life to live with not just fewer things, but then I realized just approaching things with a minimalist attitude in general, like, do I need this? Is this a good use of my time? Do I want to do that? Like sort of doing that with my time and my energy also, and sort of being unapologetic about cleaning out my schedule and about cleaning out, like making sure I sleep eight hours a night, you know? No, I don't do things in the night. I don't go out at night, sorry. Like just being unapologetic about being minimal with certain things has really changed it for me. And that's been a huge help for me. I don't know if that rings with or resonates with either of you. Yeah, I am the sort of person who reads all of those books about minimalism, mm-hmm. um, but I can't really, I, I don't know. I'm more of a like... I buy a lot of things and then I go through phases where I'm purging everything yeah. that includes books and that includes, um, I kind of have that approach to like my systems and everything. Yeah, to, me too. I'll like go all in on some sort of to-do list app or something and then like do a huge purge and like switch it up a few months later and it just makes me feel a little chaotic, but that's, that's how I function. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely tend to be more like that and sort of go all in on some method that I feel like is certainly going to change my life or at least my perspective. And occasionally it does, but um, usually not. Minimalism has always intrigued me, but I 
I like stuff too much, I think. Yeah, I love stuff. I love it. I love looking at it. I love picking it out. Like, <laughs> It's weird because I really enjoy shopping. Strangely, I know that doesn't go together, but it's like I tried to – I think maybe I had a lot of stuff because I like shopping. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I – I feel like I try to channel that instead of like, I need to buy this, but like, I need exactly the right this. And so Mm. I have to shop for a long time to get one thing. So it gets all my shopping energy out, but I still end up only with one thing that I'm like super excited about rather than like 20 things that I was just kind of excited about. (laughs) So how does that feed into your like writing practice? Do you just tend to get really obsessed with one project at a time? Because you're always working on like 12 different things, which is so amazing to me. Like you were writing two books at once and like how first of all like just tell us how (laughs) well I was on two book deals at once and I've pretty much fulfilled both of them but I was only writing one at a time I would write I try to I mean it feeds into this in that I only allow one thing on my desk at a time so like Mm -hmm. I'm editing this I send it I'm drafting this I send it I'm writing this short story I send it like I don't work on more than one thing at a time and because of that minimalist, like I, I picture my mind as a desk and there's only like one thing allowed on it, just like on my actual desk. Like I only allow one project in progress at a time. That's such a good idea. And it reminds me of like the idea that, you know, like multitasking is like not real. It's like multitasking is really just switching between tasks rapidly. That's very true. What you just so, said is so wise. <clears throat> and it's like, you know, I used to really think like, oh, I'm I'm a great multitasker, but when I oh, yeah, heard same. that, I was like, oh, that's a really good point um, because yeah. I'm constantly switching between projects. I have like a million projects open on my computer right now of various types. And like, I really wish that I could be more like focus on this one thing before getting distracted by another thing. Because the feeling distracted just makes me feel so like scattered, kind of crazy, scattered, yeah. like my brain is messy. Um and that can mm-hmm. be really hard to get stuff done creatively when you feel that way. Yeah, my desk is very clean, but my like mental desk is a <laughs> fucking mess, especially yes. right now. I feel like um, just in the past year as I've been, you know, my first book came out and I'm trying to promote it and learn all of that. And I still have a job and I'm writing my second one. It's like it's just too much stuff. And all of my sort of type A systems have been failing me. So I'm like scrambling, trying to get my shit together and then um I feel a lot of the time like I'm just being this like horrible selfish bitch like terrible to live with like I feel yeah. bad for my <laughs> my partner because I am just like uh <laughs> just all over the place lately like my moods and my focus and my I, I don't know he's like has the patience of a saint honestly yeah. <laughs> book two is really really hard yeah, I would say book two is pr- really hard, probably the hardest, because it's like you have to adjust to this whole, like, when you write your first book, before you have a book deal, you have all the time in the world to do it, there's no expectations, you're just like, da-da-da, I'm writing this thing, and then after you, you like, are contractually obligated to write something it just kind of changes the way that you feel about it mm-hmm. and it's a really kind of weird adjustment to like thinking of it as a type of work instead of like a hobby yeah. um but unfortunately three and four don't get all that much easier damn it <laughs> i think you just expand your capacity and then book three it's hard but you've been here before it feels familiar right yeah I'm hoping that I'm hoping that for sure. But I'm um, 
I've always been like this a little bit, but especially in the last year as all of this has been going on, I am like, if there is a book that promises to make me a better, more efficient person, I will buy that shit. I have like a whole <laughs> shelf of these. I listen to all of these productivity podcasts when I should be being actually productive. Instead, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's really awesome. <laughs> it's like listening yeah. to a fitness podcast while you're like on your butt, like eating, right. which yep. I would absolutely do. It's exactly like that. <laughs> and I do it every day. <laughs> I have genuinely learned a lot of, of great things. Um, like one of my favorite podcasts right now is don't keep your day job by um, Kathy Heller. Have you guys Ooh, heard? No, but I'm, no. I'm taking notes as you're talking. Okay, I love this podcast. Um, Kathy is she, uh, she's like a songwriter, but she also teaches and does all this stuff, and she um, is a lot richer than us. So I want to like learn her ways. <laughs> <laughs> but she interviews creative people who've kind of gone out on their own and um, quit their day jobs and found success through their creative passions. And it's really, really Ooh, cool and inspiring. God, and I would love of, to hear that. I can't believe I don't know about it. Yeah, I just started listening to it recently. And she has a book coming out in November, which I have pre-ordered. And I'm like desperately waiting for it to arrive. Nice. Because I'm like, maybe this is the book that has the answers that I seek. <laughs> I feel like it's like this religious fervor for me almost. It's like this will be the sacred text oh that my will gosh. Like, show me the way. Yes. I, I always feel like I, if I could only find the perfect handbag, everything would change. I, mean, I think that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like I've scoured pretty thoroughly and I have extremely exacting specifications. I have yet to find anything. So I may never know, but if I ever find it, like I'm going to be a whole new person. I'm sure of it. I want to know what your specifications are. I was going to say, can we, can we hear a little bit? Okay, sure. So uh, I would like a black leather convertible backpack that has a type of strap where, like, if you pull up, it's, like, sort of just a shoulder bag. But if you pull down, you get these two backpack straps. But the backpack straps are not just, like, flapping around all the time. If you have it pulled up, you can't see them. It needs to have a trolley sleeve for on a suitcase. It needs to have a laptop compartment. It needs to have a cell phone pocket on the top. It needs to have a zipper to close. And it needs to have a place inside where I can put a water bottle standing upright. Oh, my God. I want one. <laughs> no, it's, really it's awesome. going to be so awesome. And there's there's this brand. Um, I think it's called Senrev or Senreve. And these bags are like $700. It looked pretty perfect. I'm not paying $700 for a bag, dear God. Um, but, like, if one just fell from the sky, I would settle for that. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I have a convertible backpack, but the straps do just, like, flop around. It's and so it drives un- me Yeah, insane. things, like, get stuck on things, and they're yeah. just, like, I know, I've had that. hanging it's really out. It's and terrible. I always picture, like, a murderer, like, grabbing them and yanking <laughs> me over. Uh. <laughs> yes, it's like the, 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 the convenience of having backpack straps is, like, wonderful. For when you're out and about for a long time or you're traveling, but it's like I don't want that to be the only strap at my disposal. Mm-hmm. Someday, someday. So what are other like podcast books that you guys like for productivity? So I have a couple that I would like to mention that are sort of like the opposite of productivity. Um, <laughs> so one book that I have loved recently is called How to Not Always Be Working. Oh, I read that. By yeah. Marley Grace. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It's so lovely. Um, I think I it, forgot everything it said and ignored it after, but it was so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's just this tiny little book. Um, and it's sort of like about, um, it's not one of those like 
four hour work week type books. Like it's not about, you know, maximizing your time. It is about being intentional with your time and figuring out what you need to be your best self. And if that means like having a cell phone free hours during the day, do that. If that means muting your email for however long, do that. And I think that um, I get really stressed out by communication and like email notifications and social media notifications. All that stuff can really disrail, derail um, my creative thought process because like I'm a, I'm a very high strung person and when I see that something requires my attention, I want to take care of it right now. Uh, so that means that like I'll check my email a zillion times a day and I, I really want to not be like that. So uh, this book is really great about that and it's just sort of, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a warm hug. It's very gentle and it has some interesting exercises in it about figuring out like what does work actually mean because work isn't always like the thing you do for money or it isn't always something that you don't enjoy. Sometimes work is enjoyable, sometimes it isn't, um, but it's just really a, an exploration of of what work is and how to like best prepare yourself to do whatever your work is. And I'm remembering I this it. now. After I read that, I had this realization that um, a lot of the books that I used to read for fun are now work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> And know. I had kind of a, so I was true. like, I read it. I'm, yeah, this is all coming back. So I read it and then I was reading, I forget what, like a thriller in on like a weekend evening and I was like oh my god I'm working right now because this is like a comparable title and I'm reading it for like research and analyzing it and I like put it back and got this like YA fantasy out and I felt so much better but you have to define (laughs) that stuff for yourself because like I enjoy reading thrillers obviously since I I write them I mean I love them but they're work now yeah and it's like that's not it's not a bad thing that they're work now but it's just Mm -hmm. it's a thing that you have to notice and like be aware of because you can't like you know, spend the entire day reading and have it be automatically relaxing anymore. Right. Uh, which is really interesting. Yes, absolutely. So I have a really interesting one, I think, that I attribute like a lot of, I don't know, I'm really obsessed with this and it's very unlikable of me to bring this one up. So I thought you guys would want to hear about it because it's very unlikable. Um, so I really love reading The Art of War when it comes to thinking about work and publishing. I Um, love this. Go on. Okay. Because I often feel like in publishing, my agent just said to me yesterday, the people who make it in publishing are the people who can develop a thick skin and get back on the horse. It's all very warlike. It's hard fucking business, you know? So let me read you a passage and help. maybe this will help convince you to be obsessed with the art of war with me. But... This is the passage. It's an instruction manual to generals on how to do warfare. And it's very simple. It's all bullet points. Okay. There are five dangerous faults which may affect a general. One, recklessness, which leads to destruction. Two, cowardice, which leads to capture. Three, a hasty temper, which can be provoked by insults. Four, a delicacy of honor, which is sensitive to shame. Five, over solicitude which exposes him to worry and trouble. These are the five besetting sins of a general ruinous to the conduct of war. Oh my God. (laughs) It's just helpful. Don't be reckless. Damn. Don't be a coward. 
don't have a hasty temper, don't be provoked, right? Because people say shitty things about our books and it's like easy to fall into that. And then a delicacy of honor, which is sensitive to shame, always gets me every time because I'm like that person who can be made to feel bad very easily about myself and my books. And that is not how a general behaves. A general general is not delicate of honor and is not sensitive to being shamed. And it helps me to read that. You know what I mean? I feel like this yeah. is an instruction manual for all women living under the patriarchy. Yes. Right? For writers. I, like, holy shit. <laughs> I just flip through it and I'll find stuff that helps me every time. And so I don't know if anybody else is interested, but it's a tiny book and I, I just apply it to life and it's really helpful. I wow. have never read it and I feel like I must immediately. Yes. Yes. Like, I want to just go right now and read it I know and I stop wanna, talking to you I want to be like, fuck the rest of this recording. I want to go read that. <laughs> so one of my favorite productivity experts uh, whose books I read constantly, like over and over and over again, is um, Gretchen Rubin. Are you guys fans yes. of hers? Oh, I don't know. Um, so she wrote The Happiness Project. That's probably what she's most famous for, which was this book where she did a year-long project on how to make herself happier. It's it's pretty interesting. Interesting. Um, but the book of hers that I really love is called Better Than Before, and it's a book about how to create better habits uh, in your everyday life. Um, and what is so interesting about this book to me and why it was so life-changing to me, like I actually, I read this when I was working on Temper, like way back before pitch wars and like when I was first drafting it and I don't think I would have ever finished this book if I had not read Gretchen's book like it really it really changed my life Um, so she has this framework called the four tendencies that's about like how you respond to expectations and all of her advice about habits is based on this framework so it's not just this one size fits all like here's how you create better habits but it's about like how you respond to inner and outer expectations. So like things that you yourself want to do and things that other people want you to do. Um, And there are four tendencies. Uh, The one that I am is an upholder, which is I respond to inner and outer expectations. Like I'm good at setting goals for myself, although less good lately, as I just, (laughs) as I just said. Um, And then, you know, if my boss or somebody else tells me to do something, I'll like do it on time. Like I don't have trouble meeting deadlines or anything like that. The other ones are um, questioner, which is you'd have to turn everything into an inner expectation. Like if somebody else tells you to do something, but you don't think that it's worthwhile, then you won't do it. But like if you believe it's worthwhile, you'll do it. Um, Obliger is you respond to outer expectations. So if somebody needs something from you or tells you to do something, you'll do it. But you have trouble like setting goals for yourself. Um you're just more about like what other people want from you and then rebel is you don't respond to expectations at all like even if they're from you you kind of rebel against them that so would be me. remember you gave me that test yeah yeah <sighs> i feel like i may be a questioner you definitely are Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> so this not only has this helped me with my own kind of habit formation and getting things done it is like changed a lot of my relationships for the better like friendships and coworker relationships and definitely my marriage (laughs) (laughs) um so my partner is an obliger and I used to get so mad I was like why don't you like he would say he wanted to accomplish things and he like wouldn't do them and I was like why don't you just write them on a list and then check them off the list and do them like what (laughs) why is this hard and then after I read this book I was like oh he's an obliger like that's not how it works for him he needs that outer accountability so Mm. it's really um 
had an impact on me. And I also, when I was looking for a literary agent, I was like, I want a literary agent who is also an upholder. And I got one. Sharon is like absolutely oh, an upholder. <laughs> and I could tell just from talking to her the first time I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I really like um, Gretchen Rubin's book, Outer, or- Outer Order, Inner Calm. I was just oh, going to yeah. say, I've been, wa- I, now that I looked at her, her up while you're talking and I'm like, that's the one I wanted to read that one. Yes, I feel like I've gotten it from the library several times. I need to probably just purchase it so that I can like mm-hmm. Come read back it, to it and yeah. read it like every day because I I need to be reminded of these things as I'm sitting around in my empire of stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's such a cute little book. It is. <laughs> so she is also an upholder herself and talks about that a lot in Better Than Before. And then she also wrote like a little book just about the four tendencies that dives a little bit deeper into that. And she said as she was like coming up with this framework and like applying it, it she didn't realize until she came up with this that being an upholder is such like a rare and extreme personality. She kind of thought everybody was like that, but it's actually like a very small portion of the population (laughs) that's like so extremely into to-do lists and and whatever um so that's been helpful for me to to kind of realize like oh this is not like normal I am kind of extreme and I need to like realize that when I'm interacting with other people and not just expect (laughs) them to think exactly like I do right except my agent I need her to think that way (laughs) I have one other that I'd like to mention. Um, I have in front of me this book called Proposals for the Feminine Economy. Okay, so the Proposals for the Feminine Economy sort of, this book outlines the differences between a masculine economy and a feminine economy. So a masculine economy uh, is about ego, um, profit worship, materialism, ownership, hierarchy, um, whereas the feminine economy is about collaboration, care, empathy, integrity, and honesty. And so uh, it's just sort of like reinforces the idea that like we are not, we are not like our self-worth, it should not come from how much we do or how busy we are. It's about putting value on different principles and I really relate to that because like I'm not into this whole bragging about how busy you are type of dynamic that sometimes you'll come across or you know people who pride themselves on like working 12-hour days at their day jobs like it's a badge of honor like I'm just not for that Um, and I feel like I've done a terrible job of explaining why this book is amazing But here, I'm going to read you this one piece. Uh, To do something as audacious as call your business feminist requires showing up every day with humility, heart, intrepid creativity, criticality, courage, self-love, and a passion for growth. It requires accountability to yourself, your business, and to the larger social project of dismantling patriarchal and oppressive systems. Mm. So I just think that's really thought-provoking. Yeah, I love that. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, too, because I, um, yeah, I agree. I don't, like, when people talk about how busy they are, like, it's a badge of honor, especially for their day jobs. Like, there are people at my day job who are, like, 
I work 80 hour weeks and I'm like okay like what are yeah. you doing like, wh- like why are you doing that you're like trying to yeah. count the hours on your fingers you're like how many hours is that a day this job is awful why would you do that right. I just always think that means they have bad time management skills yeah. and right. when I'm working yeah. like uh, when I'm working a lot of hours at my day job or at writing it's always because I've let my time management skills slip but I think um for me being like a super ambitious driven you know like we all are super ambitious and driven woman it's like hard to accept that more feminine side of yourself sometimes though like to take care of yourself and have compassion for yourself because you want to just be like the best all the time and driving to the next goal but like in order to actually accomplish the things you want to you have to embrace that feminine energy and that is something I've been working on a lot lately and I'm not sure I'm doing <laughs> so great at it but it's on my mind yeah yeah like I know that um it's like it's so hard because it's like yes I want to do all the stuff and accomplish all the goals and all of that especially where creative projects are concerned but it's like you can't show up to do that work if you have run yourself ragged working 80 hours a week at a day job or you know whatever like you just won't have it in you and the creative work will suffer mm-hmm. and that's no good for anybody. Have either of you read um, Emily Nagoski's new book, Burnout? I have no. it on my shelf and I've only read part of it. This book is incredible and I actually like bought several copies of it because I keep giving it to people, <laughs> including you, Wendy. I think I gave you that copy. I just keep like handing it to all my female friends and then I'm like, just keep it. Just I'll buy another <laughs> one. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I think you gave it to me in Portland, actually. Yeah, Thank I think you. I did. Um, in my hand right now. <laughs> so this is a book about like stress and kind of why women are more stressed out, uh, like specifically stressed out, which basically the answer is the patriarchy, but they yeah. go into a lot right. more detail in the book. <laughs> I'm so. on that part right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, so Emily Nagoski wrote um, Come As You Are, which is like this really amazing book about female sexuality. And she co-wrote Burnout with her uh, sister, Amelia, who's a like musical conductor. And this book is... Like, I have read it a couple times, and I, like, find new things about it every single time. But the the main takeaway from it is that, like, we're all walking around with all these incomplete stress cycles in our bodies, basically, because we just, like, push through. We don't take the time to, like, exercise or relax or, like, do what we need to do to get that stress and those, like, fight or flight hormones out of our bodies. And then we end up getting burned out and sick um and in my case I have chronic pain I've had chronic pain since I was a teenager and since I've been reading more about like the things that they discuss in burnout um and doing some like therapy focused on that it's actually helping my pain a lot which I think is really weird and interesting um yeah yeah like it makes me wonder I I was diagnosed a long time ago with fibromyalgia and it makes me wonder if like fibromyalgia is actually just having these like too many of these incomplete stress cycles in your body right. like fucking you up i don't know it's so crazy that is crazy i'm i am reserving burnout from the library as we speak yeah I do need, it i need this <laughs> yeah this i feel like this uh episode is for me i'm already like i have all these books to read now but i don't have time Damn right. it. <laughs> I know. see the thing about reading like i don't really like the term self-help but reading books in this sort of area like it doesn't feel like work it's just like even if I'm not actively implementing any of these strategies I will never get tired of reading these books so like at the moment I'm like looking forward to reading this book as sort of my treat yeah 
they get me really fired up like I'm gonna change my life now and <laughs> I think it's like it's not true that you can just read one of these books and completely change your life but I have found life-changing things in each of yes, them and sort sure. of yeah. cumulatively I think um it's easy to get caught up in the everyday and feel really burned out but when I look at like where I was a year ago or two years ago like it has made a big difference in my life I just have a lot more going on yeah <laughs> so I'm still stressed out <laughs> For like an introvert who I don't want to do group therapy or something, but I do want to look at myself in comparison to other people and like be self-critical, but not in a bad way, you know, like be able to look at myself and make changes. So books like this are really helpful to us because it's not like we're going to go to some big group therapy thing and listen to everyone's stories and like do it that way, you know? Mm -hmm. God, I'd rather die. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, same. Yeah. (laughs) I have a podcast called Optimal Living Daily that is pretty good. I like that one a lot, actually. It's short. It's like 15, 20 minutes. And he does a new episode every day. And he has Minimalist Mondays that... And he he just reads from other people's work. He, like, finds blogs and things to read them. So it's like, you know how there's all these great articles on the internet, but I don't have time to, like, go reading all of them? He, like, reads them to you. Oh, interesting. Which is really cool. That sounds useful and soothing. Yes. It is very soothing. I used to listen to it before work every day, and, like, it made me feel, like, on my way in. Interesting. Awesome. I will check that out for sure. On the topic of podcasts, I would like to mention um, this is great for when you're like, okay, I need to sleep eight hours a night, but I can't sleep right now. Yeah. Uh, have you ever tried the podcast Sleep With Me? Oh, no. That's so, so cool. It is fascinating. Um, so basically, the guy who does this, like, the, the idea is that, like, you know, when you're, like, kind of listening to the television like on low and you're sort of drifting off like you're not really paying attention to it the podcast is basically this guy talking nonsense boring stories every night um they i don't even know how to describe it i look so bad at describing everything today but basically he tells boring quiet stories and they are really effective at putting you to sleep interesting i can't even like i don't know why but it's like I mean, when I say, like, boring and quiet, like, he just kind of, like, talks in circles about things and just sort of, like, goes around and around about, like, little details. Um, I highly recommend checking it out because, like, I've never made it to the end of one of these podcasts ever. I feel like I would enjoy that if it was a woman, but because it's a man, I would be, like, angry, like, (laughs) shut the fuck up, and I would not fall asleep. (laughs) Let well, me tell you a story, little little girl. I'm going to put you to sleep, okay? That's what... You just lay back and I'll do the work for you, okay? I actually am a big fan of um, ASMR videos on YouTube. Mm. I don't know if you guys indulge in those. They're very, like, weird and silly. And it's, like, beautiful women, like, pretending to put makeup on you and stuff. Like, it's bizarre, but it really relaxes me. It's, like, one of the few things that can turn off my, like, stress brain. You're a strange lady. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's lots of lots of weirdos like me on YouTube, so it's <laughs> that's what the internet is so great for. Just you know, f- letting you find your own particular tribe of weirdos. Mm-hmm. So, oh, speaking of which, I thought for this episode, I posted a question on Twitter. I don't know how to not get interrupted. I need to be able to finish a sentence, so I kind of crowdsourced it. Um, do you want to hear a couple tips since we're on the product, the topic of being an unlikable woman? Yes. Yes. Some people just said murder, which 
that's I, I mean, mean that is like a final solution that would totally work you know they wouldn't bother you after that so someone said fire like i was like set them on fire or like the building or like just a trash can and she was like whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) like when you hang out with murder writers like these are the suggestions that right exactly um so this one thing though that got said again and again had never even occurred to me and i wanted to ask you what you thought but a couple of people um said I don't let them interrupt me. I just keep talking. They can't interrupt you if you don't stop talking. Yep. Yeah, yep. I do that. It never occurred to me. Like, I was always, <laughs> I'm always just like, if you don't talk when someone else is talking, unless you accidentally in- interrupt someone and then you feel sad, you shouldn't do that. But, like, you would never keep talking when someone else has already started talking. It seems so weird to me, but so effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just, like, pretend that they don't exist and you just keep talking. Yeah, I mean, and they can wait until you're done. And then, then you kind of run into the the issue of like, how are they going to interpret that? Like, if you have the audacity to not stop talking when they interrupt you, then you know. But that's like, at least you've gotten to say your your piece. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try it. It makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, if you kind of just pretend, yeah, like just pretend that you didn't hear them almost as opposed to like glaring at them and like keep talking you just kind of act like you didn't hear them it's actually it's a lot easier for me because I uh work online so most of my meetings are like Skype call kind of thing so I can like pretend maybe there was a technical glitch and I (laughs) did not hear them trying to speak like so sorry (laughs) whoops yeah I ended up listening to an episode of The Savvy Psychologist on being assertive, which was actually Mm. very helpful. And she talked about like a technique you can use to be clear, but also calm and stuff like that. So I'll try that too. Yeah. Just seems like all the stuff we're talking about today is is basically about asserting your point of view, your needs, all this stuff. And it just like, even if you know it's the right thing to do and what you have to do to pursue your goals and create your work and everything, it just, there's always that little voice in the back of your head that's like, am I being a selfish bitch? Am I being unlikable? Should I tone it down? Should I like worry more about what other people think? And um, I don't know. I feel like you just have to kind of ignore that voice too and just like keep, talk- <laughs> keep talking. Like that's, yeah, the, that's, that's the solution a, that's there. That's a really good analogy. I feel like I always run into this when it's like, um, I, I work as a graphic designer on a freelance basis and like projects take a certain amount of time and people often want everything like in five minutes and it is sort of like my instinct to just do it faster so that I can give it to them in five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel so like selfish if I have to say I'm not going to be able to give that to you today um and I always want to be able to like get things done early and make everything go smoothly for my clients but like yeah it's really kind of hard to to like tell someone no but that reminds me of this really great line uh no is a complete sentence like Mm -hmm. It is. I would say like, so many of these self-development, self-help, whatever you want to call them, books uh, that are coming out lately that I have a whole shelf of, you know, like they almost all have like a section or a chapter on like how to say no more effectively or when you should say no or 
Um, yeah, it's like something that women really need like reinforced over yes. and over because it's very difficult or socialized to yeah. say yes and be accommodating. Yes, and exactly. That is like it's kind of a foundational skill being able to just say like no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and that's really sort of it's it's related to the whole interrupting thing. Like we are expected to be accommodating. We are mm-hmm. like there is an expectation that like if a man starts talking while you're talking, that you'll stop talking and let him finish like even if even if no one would articulate it in quite black and white terms like that like that's just sort of the dynamic of how a lot of jobs operate like a guy can you know talk over someone and he's just you know he's being assertive but if a woman does that she's being belligerent or difficult uh so we have so many there's so many sort of expectations and things that we have to be careful of if we don't want to be labeled with like, oh, this person is difficult to work with because she talks over people when, you know, all you're trying to do is assert yourself to an equal degree. The ball buster. I think that's the archetype for (laughs) her, right? The ball buster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with pursuing any sort of creative goals um, or any goals, really. It's like men are expected to do that. And for women, it's like, okay, you can like write your book or do whatever. Like after you have Mm -hmm. made sure your house is clean and your husband is happy and your kids are taken care of, like women of all these things that they're supposed to do before they can take care of themselves and do what they want and like, fuck that. (laughs) Well, we're really excited about our October spooktacular we were talking about what should we do for halloween episode and then we were like fuck that all of october is going to be halloween episodes so (laughs) to celebrate our holy month we will (laughs) be kicking off with an episode about women in horror which we are so excited to talk to you all about and then we're going to have two very special episodes in october uh including one very special secret guest which we will tell you about next time And for those of you who are in the central Ohio area, you can catch uh, me, Kristen, and Lane on Sunday, September 29th. We will be chatting books at 2 p.m. at the Bookloft in German Village. Uh, So come on out and be bitchy with us. Yay, I hope to see some of you guys there. And I will be doing an event in October. On the 12th, I will actually be at San Gabriel Pride, which is in Pasadena. I'll link to that on my website, wendyherd.com. But if you're in the LA area, I'll be signing Hunting Annabelle in the tent at 3 p.m. and giving away copies of The Kill Club. I only have 10, so get there at 3. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>